0: I think if there was one thing on Twitter that I did that people copied, a lot of people have copied that never did it before and also has probably been one of the reasons I did so well with Twitter is acknowledging people.
1: This is the Mad Lemmings podcast episode number nine. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Mad Lemmings Online Marketing Podcast. I'm Ashley Fawkes, your host, and thanks for joining us today. Today, we have a very special guest on the show, a very successful blogger, an entrepreneur, someone who's making a living blogging, not a common thing out there. It's very difficult, obviously, to make money just blogging, and this guy can certainly give us some tips on how he got there. His name's John Paul Aguirre. I hope I got the last name right there, John Paul. It's a bit of a complicated one, like my last name. No one ever gets it right, but we have to live with it. So he's going to go through with us uh, and have a chat about how he got where he is today. Some of his uh, tips he used, relationship, uh, marketing, uh, Twitter is his big success as well. He has about 150,000 followers, I think. Something we can all aspire to. And uh, we're also going to be chatting about uh, consistency in blogging, branding, guest posting, and uh, how we keep tight control of those things in order to keep our brand's correct online and uh, popular and make sure that it's all consistent. And also we're going to be talking about his new endeavor, a uh, brand new website that he started with a bunch of 13 bloggers, all uh, extremely good in their field, uh, experts as we joke about in the podcast. No one's really an expert, but he's gathered together people in the social media area. So Pinterest, YouTube, Instagram, blogging, Twitter, Google Plus, and he's getting posts from all these people in one place. So it's a really good resource, a great place to go. And we're going to be talking about that just at the end of the podcast. So if you're interested in any of these things, in getting some success blogging, following someone who's done that and done a great job of that and uh, still keeps his humility, he's in no means uh, a man you can't talk to. You can get hold of him on Twitter, and that's something we also talk about. He's easily reachable. He's a great guy, great to talk to, and here it is. Our interview with uh, John Paul Aggio. Here we go. All right, thanks for joining me today, John Paul. I appreciate your time. No problem. Happy to be here. And uh, you're in Massachusetts, right? If I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, a little south of uh, a little south of Boston.
1: And uh, yeah, I'm in Switzerland. As many people know, it's uh, actually sunny here for a change. We li- <laughs> we have quite mixed weather, I guess, like you guys. And summers hit us pretty early, but. Uh,
0: your summers usually the same around the same time as ours?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. We have nice. we have good Julys and Augusts, but um the rest is kind of I mean when you live close to a mountain range, a massive mountain range, you uh you can't really predict what kind of weather you get. We're actually on the wrong side of the Alps. If you're in Italy, you get good weather. If you're in Switzerland, <laughs> you mostly get crap weather. So <laughs> yeah,
0: anyway, like New England, man, New England—you never know what you're going to get. It could no, be, it's... you know, forty tomorrow, and then two days later, it'll be seventy degrees. It's it's silly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like now, it's awesome. It's—I uh, I don't know what you guys call that, probably seventies or something—and it's quite nice. And then on the weekend, it's going to just drop by yeah sort of close to zero so go figure i mean we've had a good winter it hasn't snowed much so i can't really complain but anyway let's uh dig in first into your your background that's quite an interesting one and you've you've uh, i wouldn't say shot up but you certainly grew your following and your and your blog very quickly um what's what's the story there how, how did you start out
0: uh, i started out online like making money online years ago probably uh shoot, probably 12 years ago now okay um you know, mainly with like using eBay. Uh, I was in a multi, couple multi-level marketing companies back then. Um, the blog idea just came from the way I was making money. I wanted a place where I could talk about it and share with people how I was making money. And that's really where the blog uh, first started, where I was just going to talk about um, the stuff I was doing. Like the stuff I was doing on eBay and multi-level marketing and how I was doing using online marketing. And and back in the day, even though it wasn't social media, but how I was using social media sites like, uh, like MySpace – to grab leads and, and traffic to the website. Um, and then it, you know, as I blogged more over the next, over the six months, it turned more into, uh, the blog started doing well and then it turned into more talking about blogging and how to use the blog, uh, to do these things. So it wasn't just how to use the stuff online, but also how to use the blog. So it turned more into a blogging about blogging, uh, and making money site. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and was there anything specific you did back then to, to get yourself going, I mean, we all have our tips and tricks these days, but I mean, it's uh, it's always good to hear from someone who's done it done
0: it well. Oh, uh, in the be- in the beginning, um, when I first started the blog and started my stuff online, I didn't have a lot of money, so I just uh, mainly grabbed every free ebook I could get when I first started out online and read everything. I read pretty much anything that I could get my hands on, and then one of the biggest things I did was the MySpace was really big for me. That dragged a lot of traffic and attention to my website. Okay. And blog comments. I commented on a lot of blogs. Um, like true, real comments. Um, not just I did one. I a lot line. of. <laughs> not just one. Yeah. Line not is. just. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, great post. <laughs> no, it, it, I took time and, and energy into it because I wanted that comment to number one get seen by the blog, the owner of the blog. Number two, I wanted people to see and be like, hey. John's a smart kid. I want to go follow him. I'm going to go check out his blog. So the comment had to be – didn't have to be you know, 30 lines, but it had to be something decent so to get people's attention and for them to be like, hey, you know, I like that. I'm going to go check John's website out. And commenting was probably the biggest thing I did in the beginning. That drove a lot of traffic and attention to my site. And like I said, it took a lot of time in the beginning, but in the beginning when you're starting the blog, I had plenty of time. So commenting was probably the biggest tool that would MySpace – that uh, helped the blog get seen and then using Twitter when I finally actually got into Twitter and started focusing on Twitter after using it for like six months uh, I never liked it but then once I started learning it Twitter MySpace and blog comment were the three things that uh, you know really did got my blog started pretty well.
1: So did you have to replace MySpace with something at a certain point I mean when did that die off for you?
0: Uh, basically Twitter. I, in the beginning, when you know before this all social media stuff, and even when Twitter just started, because I didn't touch Twitter, I think until it was out for over a year. Um, I was using MySpace. At MySpace, I had like 20 accounts on MySpace. It was right. it was okay. crazy. <laughs> yeah, back then MySpace, and there were some other smaller sites that were similar to MySpace. I was using that. Um, you know that drove a lot of traffic for me. And then as MySpace started changing, I put more focus into Twitter. And then uh, Twitter is where. Pretty much once MySpace was uh, – the traffic stopped, the attention stopped, MySpace started changing. I dumped MySpace and I pretty much focused on Twitter. And then Twitter pretty much uh, brought more traffic and attention than MySpace ever did
1: Yeah. I within mean, the now, first year. Now, I mean from what I've seen when I first came across you last year, um, I mean to me, you were a Twitter guy. I mean do you still see, see yourself that way? That's your, that's your number, one, number one place to be?
0: Yeah, man. It's funny. In the beginning, I started writing stuff. I came out with the Twitter dummy book two, three years ago, I was writing Twitter posts and, you know, uh, the, the post did really well, right? I knew Twitter and it was, things I knew were working really well. And when I wrote about it, it did really well. And at some point I stopped and I'm like, every time people mentioned me or talked about me, they never mentioned that John was an entrepreneur. or John was a blogger. All they said is John's the Twitter guy. And I'm like, do I really want to be the Twitter guy? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's stupid. I should have, I should have just let it, left it alone because right now I'd be a God right now. But you know what I mean? So I stopped writing, like I, you know, purposely stopped writing Twitter posts because I I wanted to be the Twitter guy, but at the same time I wanted to know, like I'm a blogger too, and I'm an entrepreneur and all these things, and people weren't seeing that. All they saw was my Twitter post would do well, and then be like, "Damn, John's the Twitter guy," but they never mentioned, "Hey, John's a blogger." So I purposely stopped the Twitter stuff for a little while and kind of wrote more blogging stuff so people can see, "Hey, John's a blogger. He's also consulting. He's doing other things. He's not just." This Twitter dude. So it kind of bothered me, which I don't really know why now, because like I said, if I let it go, I, I would be awesome right now. <laughs> but uh, it was great because Twitter was my number one traffic source. Until I started getting you know, Google traffic and the blog started getting picked up for SEO really well, Twitter was my number one traffic source like almost every month.
1: But I mean, what I see now, and it's, it's quite interesting, I, I have a problem with it myself. I don't have so much time to be on Twitter, but you... Consistently, whenever I I see you on there, you're always responding to everything. I mean, you're extremely consistent on that. I mean, you don't let that go.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I you know, I think not saying I'll never let it go. I think if I get to the point where I'm so busy, I'm gonna have to let it go. Um, yeah, sure, but at some point, I'm not saying it's the thing to do forever but i can still fit it into my day i'm not as good as i used to be like before i could literally you know i would be, within a minute or two i would write back and reply to people now sometimes it takes me 30 minutes cuz i got so much going on but i think if there was one thing on twitter that i did that people copied a lot of people have copied that never did it before and also has probably been one of the reasons i did so well with twitter is acknowledging people. I can't tweet every person, right? You can't tweet back every person that tweets you. It's just not possible. Yeah, sure. Right? It's just I can't. I'm not even going to try to. I can't. I try to pick and choose the people and people like you or people I have a relationship with or friendships with, but also even some newbie people that if they consistently tweeting me, then yeah, I'm going to tweet them back. But I can't do tiff tat You tweet me five times. Oh, I'm going to tweet you five. I can't do that. But what I can do is say thank you or acknowledge that you tweeted me because, number one, people like it they enjoy it. Number 2, it puts you in front of it puts your name in front of my followers. So it might get you a little attention because now you're in front of my followers. So it it's, it helps both of us. It gives yeah. you some recognition. It shows you that I saw what you did. I appreciate you, you know, tweeting me and it puts your name in front of people and may, it starts dialogue. You write back but then we end up having conversation. It's a beautiful thing. So it's, and it's
1: what social media is all about,
0: right? Exactly. So it, is it the right thing for everybody to do? I don't know. I know that a lot more people do it today. Since I've been doing it for three years, a lot of people do it. And it's the right thing to do because, like I said, unless you get to the point where you're a Chris Brogan or even you're bigger than that, you may not have the time to, to thank everybody. And maybe one day I won't have the time. But if I have the time, I'm going to keep doing it because it works whether people – No, or not, it works, and it works really well. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I spoke
1: to another guy, uh, I don't know, last month, I think it was Robert Ryan, I don't know if you know him. He's been trying to get big in in Google Plus and done quite well, and he said the number one thing he did, which he found a lot of people were not doing, was when he connects with people or just before he connects with them, he actually writes something to them. <laughs> sounds amazing but no one was doing it you know people were just connecting and not really talking necessarily and that's what again what you're doing you know you you're basically making people human and, and and making them realize they're there and i think it's uh, it's a key thing we often forget in the beginning cuz we're sitting behind a computer so
0: yeah and people they you don't understand how like uh, like we talked about earlier but when somebody's new and they come on twitter numbers to me don't mean anything on twitter to most people that know anything the numbers are not that important but when you're new and you have a thousand followers and somebody with, you know, fifty thousand followers or a hundred thousand followers or whatever replies to you, acknowledges you, and talks to you, listen, that follower is never leaving you. Yeah. They're gonna be so blown away and the fact that you reply to them, number one, that you even acknowledge them at all, because they only have five hundred followers or a thousand followers, that follower is gonna pay attention to everything you write. That that person will share your stuff probably for life unless you do something you shouldn't do. But just the fact that you acknowledge them that one time or a couple times, that person's never going anywhere. So it's all about the relationships. People want to know why they don't do well on Twitter or any social platforms because they don't put the time in. And to really do well on social media, it takes time. That's why not a lot of people do well with social media because <laughs> <laughs> it takes time and they don't want to put the time in.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm seeing a recurring theme here and I've I've heard a few other people talk about it. And I mean like Adrian Smith with her commenting and you did the same thing. It's very easy to just push, 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 get numbers, get traffic and I've made the same mistakes too, focusing on the wrong things. And again and again, I see – it's the people I know, the people who have developed a relationship, even whether it's just a small one, just a few tweets or whatever. It's the, It's these people who will help you, who will support you, who will retweet you, or whatever you want to do. I mean, these people are always there for you, and it's an amazing thing.
0: Yeah, as I tell people, like, even those, like, like when I said, when I started commenting uh, on blogs in the beginning, um, one of the biggest benefits of that is when I came out with my Twitter book, went... And this was like six months, eight months after the fact. But when I came out with a Twitter book, I reached out to a lot of the big blogs that I would comment on and I'd be like, hey, you know, I don't know if you know me. This is, you know, John Agatha from com. I just came on a Twitter book. Would you mind, you know, taking a look at it? If you like it, would you do a review or at least give me some feedback on it? Um, and any advice would be great because these were, you know, big, big blogs. And every one of them were like, "Yeah, I remember you. I know who you are. I see your comments in my blog all the time." Blah blah blah. So because of that, the comments and they knew whether they replied to my comments or not. They had seen me commenting on a regular basis with quality comments. They reviewed the book. They gave me feedback. Some of them did uh, reviews on their blog. Some of them became affiliates. And the only reason they did that is because they had remembered that I had commented on their blog on a regular basis. So that's the the side benefit of putting the time in, not just on comments, but with social media, people will remember you. Whether they acknowledge you with, a you know, replying to your comment or acknowledge your tweet, if you have done it on a consistent basis and you supported whatever they're doing, at some point, if you need some help, pretty much 9, 10 out of 10, they're going to say no problem. They're going to say, John, I'll tweet that for you if you need help. Whether they've you've ever, you know, you they've ever acknowledged your tweet or whatever, they've seen you put the time in to support them, they will give back to that because most people online... Uh, mostly bloggers and all that. They're great people. So if you, if they see, don't, don't come out of nowhere, tweet them once and then ask for a favor. That's, that's not going to work. But if you've consistently been there months at a time where you've been, you know, supporting them and whatever they're doing, whether it's a tweet, a share, a comment, whatever it is, when it comes time that you're going to need something, you come out with a new website, a new product or some help with something, or you come out with a really important blog post that you want a little extra help getting out there. If you reach out to people, if you reach out to me and I've seen you tweeting me, I'm going to tweet your post for you, no problem. Yeah. Not, no problem at all. Because I've seen you in my network, I've seen you tweet myself, I've seen you support what I'm doing, I'm going to give back to you. And that's the benefit of building these relationships because when you need them for something big, they'll be there to help you. Yeah, that's the funny thing. it, it, it...
1: You hear about this stuff and sometimes, you, I mean, even as a newbie, I was a little bit dubious or I didn't really fully understand what all this meant. I mean, yeah, develop relationships, that's the most important thing. But right now you're giving an awesome concrete example of I had this thing, I knew these people, I just asked in a nice way for a favor, a little bit of help, whether it's just a comment or a review or whatever they've got time for or whatever they care to give you. And they will do it if they know you. And the more they know you, the more they'll do for you. And it's just like real life, right? I mean, if you go up to someone on the street and they have no idea who you are and you ask for 50 bucks. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What's going to happen? Not much. Whereas if you've spoken to this person before or helped them or whatever, they're more likely to be encouraged. And actually a boss of mine once did that. We had some guys come over from our Spanish office and uh, he wanted them to do something he knew they didn't want to do. So he bought them all chocolates. (laughs) when they arrived and then later on in a few days later in the week he had to ask them to stay longer and he he knew that that was going to happen but they didn't realize and then because he'd been so nice to them they kind of felt obliged to be nice to him now I don't like the idea of being obliged but it's this kind of it's this give and take and relationship stuff and I think it's the key to everything we do and it's really cool to hear that that's I mean, that's what you did in the beginning. I mean, you got to know people, you commented, and I think commenting is awesome. I mean, you get links too quite often, which is really cool as well, of course.
0: Exactly. But it's it's one of those things. It's a fine line. You have to be there because if you, if you tweet me once or you comment once and then three months later, out of nowhere, you reach out to me. Then chances I'm going to ignore you Or um, because that's just – there's a fine line. You have to – you don't want it to come off where you only were supporting me because you were planning to do something. You don't want to do that because that's a bad look in most – most big blogs will ignore you. Yeah. So yeah. it's a fine line. You don't want to only comment because, Hey, I know in two months I got a book coming out. Don't do that. It, it, there's no exact number, right? Where you need to support me, where then you can come up to you and ask for a favor. There's no number. There's no set thing, but it's definitely not one or two. I have people who reach out to me and I've never seen these people before. They follow <laughs> me, you know, Hey, thanks for following. And then, you know, the next day they're asking me for help. And I'm like, I don't even know you. Like, it's not that I don't, not just that I don't know you. I have other people that support me all the time. I haven't even helped them. So if I'm going to help anybody, I'm going to say yes to the people who've been there for months or years, even if they need a favor, I'm there to help them out. Not so much for somebody who I don't even know that tweeted me one time and now already wants a favor tomorrow. Like it just doesn't work that way. So there's no set number, but make sure you're there for a while before you reach out to them. Because most people will ignore you if they feel, uh, first of all, if you ask way too soon, because there's. In the beginning, I like to tell people it's all about giving. <laughs> you have to give, give, give before you get. Yeah, sure. But if you yeah. but if you give, give, trust me, at some point when it comes time that you need to get a little help, uh, the people will be there. Now, don't ask all the time. Again, this is not a – you don't want to do that all the time either. But when you need something big, something important, you reach out to the people you've been supporting – Trust me, every one of them will say yes. Every one of them will say yes.
1: Yeah, I usually do it the opposite. I rarely ask for anything. And if it is, it's usually professional that helps both sides. But maybe I should occasionally actually ask for something that, yeah, that I sort of worked for and didn't even realize. But anyway, I'm usually the opposite, as I say, because I have people writing to me, asking <coughs> me for stuff or asking me to review a plug-in or whatever. And sometimes they don't even know my name. And I'm thinking, what? what? Are you insane? I mean, really? Dear oh. – Dear sir, yeah, Let's really. Forget it.
0: <laughs> oh, the sir, and ma'am. Oh, the other day somebody called me. What did they call me? Oh, uh, I love your blog. I read it all the time. And then they call me some random. Uh, oh, they called me. They thought it was two people that own the. My name is John Paul. Yeah. Uh, they thought it was two people. They said, "Yo, I'm glad you guys are doing great, John and Paul." <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? Like, seriously? If you read the very first line on my blog, if you said you read my blog so much, the very first paragraph is. Who is John Paul? It's one person. Yeah, yeah. Like seriously, if you're gonna reach out to people, then make sure you know what you're talking about. Don't over, don't get people who write me and they're too polite, too overly nice. I don't like it because it's it's fake. You read the blog, great. You want to tell me you like the blog? That's great. Get to the point. Tell me what you want, or what you need. Don't, pretty much, don't kiss my ass too much because yeah. then it comes <laughs> off where you're probably lying, and it comes off. It doesn't. It bothers me. I don't like it. Yeah, sure. You want to be nice, obviously. You want to be polite. You want to make sure you know who you're talking to, but please get the name right. Like, (laughs) get the name. Most people's blogs, their name is like right in the beginning of the blog. So if you can't even, you haven't even took the time to go get their name from their blog, then you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be emailing them. Yeah, it's usually spammy stuff anyway. But I mean,
1: occasionally it looks good, and I still think, well, this actually looks like something that I would read and may respond to. But. It would have taken you two seconds on the top of every single post almost. I've hardly had any guest posts. Almost every single post on the bottom of the footer, in the sidebar, Anywhere. on the Most page. blogs have
0: about me <laughs> box. They have information. They Literally, if you take 10 seconds, you go on somebody's blog, and in 10 seconds, you'll get that name.
1: Yes, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's
0: like it's... if you didn't take the 10 cents and you, you know – don't sit here. It's one thing to not do that, but then sit here and tell me you read my blog all the time and yeah. you, you don't know my name. <laughs> it, it just sounds so silly. You're going to get ignored. And, and pretty much every blog is going to do that. That's not just me. Pretty much anybody you reach out to in that way, you're going to get ignored. Yeah, so well. <laughs> you know, make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure you, you know what you're asking for and you know the person you're reaching out to. And make sure you have read their blog because I'm telling you, if they will remember you, and, and trust me, people will remember you. If you comment on their blog, you tweet this stuff, whether they reply to you or not, they will remember your name or your face. They will remember you. So, because even back my example, when I did the book, these uh, these authors never replied to my comments. Most of them never replied to comments because their blogs are huge and they pretty much never replied to anybody's comments except one or two or they picked and choose, but they never replied to any of mine. So, I didn't even know these people would know me. That's why I was like, hey, I don't know if you know me. My name is John. I'm from this site, like thinking they didn't even know who I was and they all knew I was, even though they've never, like I said, they never replied back. So, Trust me, bloggers will remember whether you act like you're, you know, their biggest cheerleader. They'll know you're lying because, trust me, every blogger knows. Like, I'm sure you, Ashley, you know the people that comment on your blog on a regular basis. You know them by name or face. So when somebody just comes out of nowhere and says, hey, I comment, I love your blog, I'm always there, you're going to know they're lying because you're going to be like, I've never seen you there. I've never seen you comment. I've never seen you on Facebook, Twitter, nowhere. So don't lie because these people, they know.
1: I mean one other thing I was going to uh, going to touch on as well which uh, was a few months ago now I don't know if you remember this comment where I said I really liked the design of your blog because I see so many bad blogs and uh, or generic designs and you you did a really nice thing I mean yours has got a very specific color scheme it's yours and mm-hmm. I really like that what was your what was your thinking behind that I mean that's a really good thing to do
0: Um I don't know when I first started the blog I liked the uh... I like the black. Everybody has a white blog and everybody had the same exact look. Like back in the day, pretty much every blog that came out was white and blue. And it was – so I wanted to go darker. I I didn't want the content area to be dark, but I wanted the blog to be dark because whether you love it or hate it, you're going to remember it. Because there's not a lot of – like there's a lot of black blogs now, but mostly they're they're not really in blogging. They're in other niches. So when you see a black blog, there's not a lot of them out there. So number one, it's going to stand out. Uh, Number two, it helps me grab a popular color. And like with my lime green, that stands out against the black. So things that I want you to see, like my opt-in box and stuff, it pops against the black because it's so bright. If I had a white site with that lime green, it would get washed out. It wouldn't be as noticeable. So it was just to be different really. And like I said, some people love it. Some people don't like the black.
1: But that's anything
0: you do, people are going to love and hate it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean black typically, yeah. I mean it's like music or yeah, various sort of entertainment kind of things. I mean, it's not something normally in, in blogs, but what just got me was, I mean, it was really consistently done and it was really striking and, I mean, it was nicely designed too. And as I said a lot of this stuff is either generic where no one's actually put any touches anywhere or... It doesn't stand out or, it's as you say, it's it's just a standard blue or or whatever. But, yeah, it was really cool and I, I think that's really key and it's a few discussions I've had on this topic with people before even regarding Pinterest and stuff is if you don't have branding consistency and I've only come across this myself in the last six months, I was always using various colours and colours that didn't fit my color scheme on my blog post pins or whatever. And now I've realized hang on a second, when you have a brand and you have a color scheme and even fonts, you've got to keep them the same all the time. Then yeah. people know who you are everywhere you go.
0: It's 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 not about it's the branding. It's taking the branding and matching. Like if you look at my Twitter account, my Facebook, my Google Plus well not Google Plus in my YouTube, well YouTube they just changed it for whatever reason. Yeah, but they keep changing. The colors everything. are the same. <laughs> You know what I mean? The colors, I, the design is exactly the same. The color is exactly the same. And number one, that when somebody lands on your Facebook page, you want them to know that they have the right blog. They have the right John Paul. You want to know they're at the right site. If you have the same colors, the same theme, the same font, the same message, 100% they know that you're your Facebook page. Same yeah. with Twitter. If they land on that Twitter account, they want to know that you're you the same person. It makes it easier for people to see. And number one, it expands your, expands your brand. People get used to seeing the black and the lime green. For me, They'll see the black and lime green all the time. They'll see the same font. They're going to see the same type of design where, where it's possible. They're going to see the same look and feel. And you want to do that just to make people e- easier for people to find you. And, they want, and to bring your stuff. So when somebody sees, when I do a PowerPoint on SlideShit, the design is exactly the same as my blog. So when you see that PowerPoint, you don't even have to read the name. You know that's John's website. That's something John did because it, it matches the colors. It matches the information.
1: Yep. Yeah, i think people don't realize i don't think about doing it because we're so i mean we are so used to seeing it i mean you know you know coke you know or oh, whatever nike or i mean the colors the fonts the style it's always the same it's always consistent when you see someone doing it it's great because it has so much value right i mean having your brand having consistency being recognizable as much as we're not coke or ford or whoever i think it's a, it's a great thing to do so Yeah, I think that's a really good tip you've got there. And
0: and well, you see, the companies will buy advertising. Like the big guys, they buy advertising on these big websites. They're not looking for clicks; they're just doing it for brand awareness. They'll pay all that money, thousands of dollars, to put a banner ad on one of these big time sites. You know, they get you know two hundred, three hundred thousand page views a month. They're not looking for real for clicks to their website. They're just doing that just for brand awareness, just so people see constantly see their brand. Just like with commercials, like. So that's how important branding is and getting people to see your colors, see your brand, that you have these big companies that'll pay thousands, even millions of dollars sometimes just to put their their ad somewhere. Um, you know, just so you see it. Just like when you see billboards on the highway, there's not, usually not an address to go to. There's not a phone number. It's just the logo, whatever little message they want to say that day. It's just getting their brand in your face. That's worth a lot of money. So if they're willing to pay that amount of money just to get their brand seen by people, that should tell you how important it is to keep your brand in front of people across your social platforms, on your blog, on any marketing material you do, anything. Put your at least put your colors on there at the very least, your logo and your colors.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a great idea, and also on even on images and stuff that I share on Pinterest, I at least put my uh, web address on the bottom corner, and I try and remember to do that all the time, and. Yeah, it's really easy for people then just to see it. I mean, it has that effect. I mean, all this psychological stuff. It's very hard to to pin it down and say this has this effect and this right. has this effect, but it works. I mean, you know people have been selling for decades, and you know, <laughs> exactly. it's, it works. So everybody you can't do it.
0: pinpoint it and say, hey, you somebody saw my brand on Twitter and that's why they. Fa-. You don't really know. You it's not like you can get an ROI on it. Yeah. But you know that putting that in front of people over time, it it works. It's yeah. it's like you said. Companies have been doing this for a long time, and there's a reason why they do that. There's a reason why Coca-Cola wants you to see their logo, yeah. why Nike shows you their swoosh all the time. There's a reason for that. And if there's a reason and they're doing it and they're willing to spend that kind of money with all their uh, R&D department and all that research they do, there's a reason they do that. You should you should know this is why you should do it you know, on a smaller scale, but you should do the same thing because they spend a lot of money to tell them to do that and they're not going to do it just for the fun of it because advertising is not cheap yeah sure so you should copy that same with images like i use the same like image of myself i tell people use the same image everywhere if you change it make sure you change it everywhere so when people are on your blog they see your face you want to make sure it's the same face they see on twitter on facebook because some people out there some of the face bitches, it looks like two different people and that's part of your branding too you want people to remember your face so when they Get to your blog and say, hey, there's Ashley. When they go to Twitter, be like, I know this is Ashley's page because that's Ashley's face. It's the same image. So it works the same for images.
1: Yeah, I just wish that um, Google Plus would let me add my new photo. (laughs) I got a new photo and I put it on all my different sites because, again, I want it to be consistent. And I still have not – I don't know why Google is rejecting it. So it's not – my G plus is not updated and I think maybe one other platform, but pretty much I've done the lot. But um, yeah, it's just rejected. That's another me. thing
0: that people should do and I see a lot of people not doing that and it's such a simple thing. But again, it matters whether it's to make it easy for people to find – if somebody wants to find you on Twitter, if your branding is not there, that's one mistake. But if your picture is there, then at least they'll see, hey, that's Ashley. Yeah. I remember yeah. his face from his blog. They know they have the right person. Yeah. So at the very least, make sure your picture matches way that you can Make sure it matches. If you change it on your blog, and you decide I'm going to update it to a nicer picture. Then make sure you update everything, so that way it's just it's consistent. They know they have the right Ashley, the right John. They know it's the right person. It makes it so much easier for people to find you, follow you, whatever they need to do. They know they have the right person.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's great to have consistency everywhere, and and it's only something I've gradually started to realize. And and the pictures really. Yeah, it's really key as well. And what's really funny, I find, is you know sometimes I do these podcasts and sometimes with image, sometimes without, and uh, you meet the people and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> they don't look like their picture. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's a mistake, right? It's, it's, and some people don't even – like they have a horrible front pitch. I know everybody wants to get creative, and this creativity goes so far. You don't want a, front, a face picture that's so creative that it, I don't know what I'm looking at. You don't want to do that. Yeah, my picture you. sucks. It's all I had at the time, and what happened is now that I used it, I haven't updated my pitches recently, so I'm stuck with the same pitch. At some yeah. point, I have to update it. But it's not something you want to update all the time either. But when you do update it, make sure it's clear. People can see you. You have a nice pitch. It's clear. I can see you. You want you want to make things personal on social media, on your blog. The best way to do this, have a good quality pitcher. Yeah. If you you like taking pictures, great. But you don't need to change a headshot every week. I know some people change it like – some people I know, I'm visual, right? So I know people. I follow people on Twitter, and I see the picture. I know it's them. As soon as they change the picture, the other day I was looking, I'm like, like I lost this guy. And in reality, he just changed his image. And because I'm so visual, I see pictures and I remember faces. I didn't even know the guy, and we've been talking, we've been friends online for two years. But because he changed his picture to something completely different, I completely lost lost him, just because he changed his picture. And this is a guy I talked to, and we share each other stuff, you know, for good good two years. So a lot of people are like that. A lot of people are visual. So once you change your picture, you don't want to do it all the time because there's no need to. Yeah, do you takes,
1: know what I mean? So it takes ages to get used to it again. Yeah, it's it's almost it almost has like a like a pattern, a visual recognition pattern. I see that in Twitter too, because it's it's quite small. So right. it's not it's not like you're really looking at it. You just kind of catch it in the corner of your eye. And if someone right. suddenly changes the whole look of it, so you're like yours is black and white, and if you then change it to complete other color, complete other profile, look of your face or whatever, then you know, it'll take a few looks for me to get used to that.
0: Yeah. It's just not you notice that. Well, I know how, that's how I am. I'm visual. Like, yeah, if, you give the me, like if I me. ask for directions, I don't want street addresses. Give me the blue building, <laughs> the uh-huh, big rock okay. on the corner. Like I used to yeah. be a bus driver. That's how I would remember the bus stops. When you have, you know, a, a school bus driver, I had to stop at, you know, 30 bus stops. You don't remember that because of street signs. I use visual signs, so I'm visual. And a lot of people like that, not, you know, so when I, when you change a picture, like you said, you don't, I don't focus on the pictures because they're so small, but when they're different, you notice it. Yeah. And sometimes if you don't pay attention, cause some people don't use their name on Twitter, the handle won't say like, you know, it won't say Ashley, yeah. it'll say something else. So it if you like remove fun, your, man. yeah, if you remove your picture and that's how I normally connect with you, I'm lost. <laughs> and a lot of people like that. So again, you want to change it once in a while. You want to update obviously, cause as you get into this more, you get better at things, you take better pitches obviously update but it's not something you need to do every month there's no reason for you to change your, your your photo your headshot every month there's no need to but when you do change and you decide you knew it's time for an upgrade make sure it's clear make sure it shows your face and, and make sure you change it everywhere so that way it stays consistent and give people time like you said it takes time for people to get used to it again give them that time don't change it before people are used to it again because then you're just messing with your brand like coke you know coke doesn't change their logo anytime you know Nike swoosh is the same swoosh all the time. You may see it in different colors, it's the same design. You just want to keep that and stay consistent. You know, yeah. if you're not doing the branding, at least have your headshot clean, professional and and matches.
1: I mean, what other thing you do which uh, we were discussing before we started recording was uh, I mean, your style of blogging is as well quite unique. I mean, compared to what a lot of people do, you blog when you have something to say. I mean, we were discussing this as well before how you know, not just blogging for the sake of blogging and regurgitating the same stuff that absolutely everybody is doing. You write something when you have something to say and you feel you have some value to give. Is this how you've done it from the beginning?
0: No, I think as a new blog, when I started at the beginning, I was – the first year of blogging, I was kind of lazy. So, But after about a year, I really got into it and I was consistent with between two and three posts every week. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, you have to do that because – you have to build that. It's kind of like you know. You have to build that momentum. You got to get enough content out to people to see you. Once they see you, and they consistently see you, then you can fall back to one po- one good post a week. I would still stay at two. I do one post a week just because I'm busy. If I had the time, I would stay at two posts. I think two posts is like the perfect, perfect amount of attention where you keep Alexa happy. You keep a nice flood of traffic coming in every day. Because for me, my blog posts usually have a lifespan of about three days. Yeah, yeah. I notice shares and attention coming in for about three days, right? So if I give myself three days, then by the fourth day, it's kind of quiet. If I hit myself by the fifth, sixth day, that's two posts in a week. That gives a blog post, for me personally, an, enough time for each blog post to do its job for about three or four days. On a perfect day, week, I can get two posts out. If I don't, then I try to do one good post. If I think for most bloggers, I would say do at least two posts a week. Mm-hmm. If you're new, maybe even three, just to you know, get the content out there, get people to see you. The more stuff you have out there, the better chance they'll see you. Once you start building a nice following, then you can cut it back to two quality posts. And you know, depending on your blog and your goals, that you can write about whatever you want. It just depends on your goals. But I think two quality posts a week is like that nice. That's a perfect amount of content that doesn't overwhelm most bloggers and still keeps a nice steady flow of traffic coming in and nice shares and, and keeps your readers happy and learning and not too much. Cause you know, if you're teaching, if you have a blog and you're teaching something, then you don't want to go too crazy with content either because people don't, they don't want to learn three new things in that week. They, yeah, sure. They'd rather, you know, one or two, give them time to make it work and then teach them something next week. They don't need to learn five new tips or five new techniques in one week. They don't, they don't, honestly, they don't want to learn that much. They may tell you they do. But I don't believe people want to learn that much information in one week because if they multiply five tips Ashley taught me, five tips John taught me this week, five tips pro blogger or Chris Brogan taught me, they are now full – again, the, the, what we talked about off the call, information overload is just too much. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean I'd rather you do two great posts, which is what I did in the beginning, and that built my blog up pretty well, just doing two consistent posts. On a good week, I would do three, but two quality posts a week is mostly what I did. And what I try to do now, I just I don't have the time.
1: Yeah, it's a different it's a different situation. But I was just thinking more like what you're doing in the beginning, and I've also done the <laughs> same. I've done two from the beginning, and I also space them out based on the reactions I see, and also the statistics I see in analytics. I see you know, in the first day it builds up, the second day it gets big, the third day it drops. And so, by the third to fourth day, I'm looking to post something else.
0: You notice the second day is big, bigger than the first two. Usually, it depends. I yeah.
1: mean, Monday is for me Monday to Friday for our niche for blogging and stuff because people do it as work or at least while they're working. That's not yep. for fun. You typically don't. I don't get a lot on the weekends, so I do stuff on Monday and Wednesday or Monday and Thursday. So,
0: yeah, I like Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursdays uh, are my best days. I do once in a while I'll do like an infograph on a Saturday. It does pretty well, but it's not, that's like a fill kind of a filler post. If I didn't have time to do a post during the week, then I'll throw an infograph set yeah, like yeah. tomorrow. I may do one tomorrow. I like infographs. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to do too many cause I don't want to be just about that. But every <laughs> once in a while I like, like I did one a couple of weeks ago. Um. But I noticed the same thing when I do a blog post, the first day it does well. The second day is where it kills it, which is really weird. But the second day of the post, no matter what day of the week it is, the second day for me is always bigger than the actual day I published it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't. I thought that was just me. So the fact that you say that's probably the case for most people. Then
1: it gathers some kind of. I don't know. I don't know if it's whether people see other people have shared it, or I mean, I use things like Driver as well, and I have a feeling on the first day that it doesn't get pushed to the top at first yep. in certain areas where I get promotions or whatever. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. But I, I certainly recommend people follow that and really pay attention to. I mean, even using things on Twitter like follow a wonk to see what days or what times your your audience is active. The same thing with your blog, always watching when your people are reading and not posting, you know, like on the weekend if they're not reading on the weekend. I mean right. And if you're doing entertainment stuff or whatever, I imagine that, yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is a better time to post. So people need to pay attention to their niches. Yeah, and they
0: got to give – like I said, they got to give their posts long enough. Like if you you work – to write a blog post nowadays, it takes a lot of work, right? It takes a lot of time and energy. I don't, no matter what kind of type of post you're writing, it takes work. So if I'm going to put in that work into that blog post, I want that blog post to work as hard as it can for me. So having – putting a post out on Monday and then doing another one on Tuesday makes no sense because the one on Monday is not going to have time to work. If you're putting too many posts back-to-back – none of them are going to work as well as they would for you if you would give them a three to four day window, yeah. or even more. Because like I said, for me, my posts last in, in bringing traffic and attention and shares for three solid days. The fourth day, it starts to slow down. By the fifth day, I notice it's a little quiet, unless it's a monster post, which happens every once in a while. But on a normal post that gets the normal attention, I do well for three days. Fourth day, it's about half. The fifth day, it's already starting to get quiet. So by the sixth day, it's pretty much dead. It's time to I can hit it with a new post, but if you don't give it, you know, and everybody's different. Some people may kill it for seven days, you know. Some people, their post may do well for two days. You, you got, like you said, pay attention to that, and then give it time to do its thing. If it's still getting a lot of traffic on the third day, then don't do another post because that post is still doing well. Let it do well. You know, it took you a lot of time and energy to write that post. Don't piggyback it too quickly because if you do two posts too close together, one of them is going to suffer, right? One of them is going to do worse than the other because. Maybe your second one is better than your first, or maybe the first, the second one's topic is more engaging than the first. So that first post is going to get lost because the second one's going to kill it. But yet you did the same amount of work. You wrote the first post, you put in the time and research or whatever you did for it give it time to do its thing. So give it at least three days at the very least. Yeah, sure. And I I totally agree because, you know, what people
1: don't realize is, I mean, there used to be, I think it's dying these days, but there used to be a lot of posts saying more often every day, blah, blah, blah. And it's just rubbish because, I mean, apart from getting maybe more attention from Google, and I think two to three still gets that. I mean, quality, targeted, good keywords, sort of nicely filtered in, not just spammy. I think is far better and as you say, giving it time to live its life because if you start spamming your audience with a post a day, I mean, firstly, what sort of stuff are you generating?
0: Exactly. That's, that's and, what it comes and, down and to. And
1: who's going to be reading it? Because, you know, I see stuff that's sometimes only four or 500 words long and I'm thinking, okay, I'm just getting started into a topic and it's finished. I didn't learn anything. Okay, why am I going to come back here? It's It's not worth my time.
0: Yeah, I think everybody – like I, write, I try to get to the point quickly. I, I've noticed I write longer posts now than I used to. And I, I back in the day, I think my shorter posts did better than the long, long ones. I take as many words as I need to say what I need to say. If that takes 500 words, so be it. Get to the point and get out. That's that's my model. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. it takes me 2,000 words, then that's what it's going to take. <laughs> I write it. Then I edit it down. And if I'm left with 500 words but you learn something, I'm good with that. And that's what I want. I'm, if you're going to – like you said, if you're going to read something – I want to learn something. If I read 500 words and the post is done, but I haven't done it hasn't done anything, then that's that's a mistake. But yeah. if you learn something at 500, then great. Should all your posts be 500 words? No. But if you're gonna do a short post, make sure you get to the point, get in, teach them or teach somebody something or whatever you're trying to do, then get out. And then that depends on your niche. If your niche is technology or news, then yeah, you got to post five times a day. It's It it just depends on what type of blog you want. If you're an AdSense blogger, then you have to have a different technique than a blogger who's trying to build his brand and be an expert and seen as a brand and an expert in a field. Then you have to blog a a different way. You have to blog a way that fits you. If you're an AdSense blogger, then one post a week is not going to do much for you. You're pretty much wasting your time, right? Because you need that traffic coming consistently. So you need to post every day. If you're a a brand blogger, then you can get away with one monster post a week because – you're building a brand, and, and people want that. If you're trying to be a brand and trying to be an expert, then don't take on too many guest posts, because then you take the focus off of your blog and you, and you're giving it to other people, which is okay once in a while, mm. but to have a guest post every week or numerous guest posts every week is a mistake because that's not your thing. That's not what you should be doing. Like pro blogger does it because he doesn't care anymore. He's an expert. He's awesome. He he ta- his blog is filled with guest posts because he doesn't care anymore. He's already built it. Chris Brogan, ninety percent of his blog posts are him. Why? Because he's a brand. He doesn't he'll do a guest post or he'll do a blog post about somebody else. But most of his blog posts, from what I see, are him. It's about him. It's him writing it. Not a lot of guest posts going on. If you want to build a brand, then it has to be about you. So the advice we're giving you is it just depends on what type of blog you're on, what your goals are. Because there's what yeah, works of course, for one a, won't work for others.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of variety out there. And I mean, I think I mean our our niches and, and the kind of stuff that we try and teach people is yeah, building your brand whether it's your business or your personal brand and writing content that's recognisable as yours and I mean I take on occasional guest posts too and it also gives you some relief right because you know you have have other stuff to do but I wouldn't want to do it often and I'm really really picky and actually I don't get many applications because I put a really heavy door on saying if you want to apply fill this out because I'm not going to take rubbish because it makes me look bad I mean why would I want to do that I've built up this blog I've spent a year doing it and then all of a sudden I let someone write a crappy spam field post with lots of links and no decent content. So I That's think I've only had five people on and they've all written really fantastic stuff. So,
0: See, blogging is just like anything else. It's like being a pro athlete. It's not about what you did last year. It's what you've done for me lately. You could build up a beautiful blog, actually. You let out one or two guest posts that are crap. Your blog is now crap. People are not going to remember how great your content was that – Ashley, last month, you had great stuff. They're going to remember what you did recently. And if your most recent stuff is consistently letting these really bad guest posts on your blog, people are going to walk away from your blog because they look at you. And I've told people this. It doesn't matter if it's your content. It doesn't matter if it's somebody else's content. It's your blog. If you need to edit it within reason, talk to the person. If it's not quality, do not put it on your blog because what's going to happen is – and this happens all the time. I've let – in maybe three or four years, I think I've let four or five guest posts on my blog only. And number one, that's great because now Google isn't big on guest blogging. So I actually did something that Google loves completely by accident. And same with you because you've been really tight, which is great because now everybody's trying to be more tight. So we did something that didn't expect it to be a good thing for <laughs> Google. <laughs> so it's one thing for Google I can say we did I did well without even knowing it. But the thing is when people read those guest posts, say a few days later, when they read it, when they reply on Twitter, they don't say, hey, hey Ashley, great post on John's blog. They'll say, hey, John, great content. They either don't realize it's a guest post or they don't care. They tell me, great post, and then I'll tell them, yeah, you know, actually did a great job or something. But they'll come back to me, and, and if they didn't like it or if they have a question, they bring it to me, yeah. right? Which, so they end up assuming it's my post, even though obviously it's a guest post. It's told there's a guest writer on there, that said it's a guest post. They'll assume it's yours. So if you let that content go on your blog, most people are gonna assume it's yours and they're gonna come at you, even though you, you know it's a guest post. You you said it's a guest. They'll come to you even though you didn't write it. So anything goes on your blog has to be quality whether you wrote it or not because at the end of the day, it's going to affect you. People are going to question you and be like, hey, John, that post was crap or that post I read that a 50 times somewhere else. It, they're going to look bad at you even though they know you didn't write it. So you don't want to do that. Like you said, guest posting once in a while is a great way to you know get some free time and it's it helps you when you need it. But you have to make sure that content is 100%. And if you're trying to be a blogger that's trying to build a brand, like when I do a guest post, if I rely on one, I let somebody guest post on my blog. I don't let them talk about Twitter because I want to be the guy teaching Twitter. I don't need anybody coming in to teach Twitter. I write about that. I want people to come in that write about stuff that I don't normally write about. So that way it's a benefit to me because I may learn something, but then my readers will learn something because it's not like I'll let you do a post about Instagram. I don't talk about Instagram, but I know it's something people should know. So I'll have somebody come in and talk about Instagram because I don't talk about it, number one. It's it fits my blog readers because it's social media blogging and it teaches them something and it's not affecting me and my brand because I'm not trying to teach Instagram. Yeah. So if you do guest blogs, if you do it in that way, it's a win all across the board because it doesn't affect you. Helps your readers learn something new and maybe you because you'll get some tips.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I've done before too. I actually had a a girl on uh, about six months ago and, and she, it took me a while to let her on because she was an absolute nobody. In fact, her blog, the blog that she did have was something about crocheting or something like that. <laughs> and she was writing to me saying, oh, I want to do a, a guest post on Google. And I'm like, what? Who are you? And she right. sent, I said, first of all, send me some posts. Oh, I don't really have any. I'm oh, just this crocheting blog with my friend. And I'm like, uh-huh. And what are you going to write? And then she's like, okay, I work for a social media company in the U.K., I do this professionally and I want to start to get a name for myself. And I was like, okay, well, I'm still a bit dubious, but yeah, send me me the post. And she did and it was absolutely awesome. It was fantastic. I mean, by giving her the chance, and it took me a while, but I gave her the chance and it was a fantastic post on how to use Google business pages on Google+. And I've seen people, it's actually one of the most shared things I've ever had and it was mainly because of the Google Pluses that it got. And, yeah, she wrote a really killer post on how to use Google business pages, which not a lot of people write about. And she really knew her stuff because she does it as a job. But, yeah, yeah. she had no well, brand. The
0: problem is when you, get, you know, when you get people like these – if you're going to write for me and you want to request to write for me, make sure you have a blog. Because people come to me and they're just freelance writers or they're writers for other companies. I'm not going to let you on my blog. Because if I'm going to help anybody, I'm going to help the bloggers, like yeah. legitimate yeah. blogs, people that actually have a blog that's about something that's been here for a while. So if I'm going to help anybody, number one's going to be people that, like we talked earlier, has been in my community supporting me. So I'm gonna, especially if I'm going to give them you know, the prime real estate on my blog, which I don't give to anybody really, <laughs> then it has to be somebody I really care about I, that's I know has been there helping me. I know knows their stuff, and they're a blogger, and they're trying to build up their blog. I'm going to help them. So I have a lot of people that reach out. They don't even have a blog. They don't even have a website. Or yeah, I have the other people okay. that say, can I write for you? And do you mind if I put you know, my client's links in the bio? I'm like, are you insane? Like, who's going to say yes to that? Why would I let you write on my blog? You don't even have a blog. You're just a freelance writer and you're going to put links to a random company in the bio Just because you wrote the post? Like, that's insane to me. Like, why would you even ask that? I don't know many blogs that would say yes to that. I guess that care about their blog. I just don't get it.
1: That's how guest posting has gotten a bad name, I guess. We don't realize it, but it's from exactly that. Putting posts that link to irrelevant companies just to get links built through some kind of semi-trusting method of guest posting. I guess that's why guest posting has...
0: Listen, I read a big social media blog about, uh, about probably four or five months ago. Like, a good quality, guy's really nice, has a great social media blog. And he had one of these posts on his blog. And I was kind of blown away that he let it on his blog because I like him. I respect him. I, he knows his stuff. We've talked before, talked on Skype. And he had one of these posts. And the post, I forgot what it was about. It was about something about social media. But in the bio, it was two links. One was to uh, mittens, right? To, a keyword to mittens. Some kind of something mittens. And the other one was something something else. But it was so random. I'm like, and I'm like, this is probably the same girl that wrote me like months ago. Yeah, yeah, And I'm like, I can't believe that he allowed that. And now the link is going to like some mitten site. I'm like, seriously, like, and he's a, and he's quality, like he's got an awesome blog and he's a smart dude. I'm like, why would you allow that? Like, unless he missed it, but how do you miss that? It's Mm. your blog, man. You're the one that's going to publish it.
1: You got to check all the links.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But it said, you know, it had the full keyword because it was keyword tagged. It was like something mittens. Oh wow! And I went to the link just because I was blown away that he would even allow it. And it was to some site selling gloves or mittens for kids. Wow. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like, that's so. That's like you said. That's what's ruined guest posting. Yeah. Guest blogging is, is those type of things. But then when big blogs like his allow that, it blows me away that he allowed it. It just blows me away.
1: Yeah. So we need to keep. I think the the big message that's coming across from our discussion is keep your branding tight, keep your content tight, consistent. Your branding consistent. Your name consistent. Your picture consistent, and your standards. Hi, and and your your blog is your home. It is your home base. I mean, your social media could die overnight. Your blog is always there. Your name on the web is always there.
0: And That's
1: it. Uh, And you've, you've gone and done that, and now that you've done that, this is the last thing I wanted to talk to you about. You've gone, you've created your brand, you've actually made a living from it, and you've now gone and expanded that, and now you've got a second blog with high-quality bloggers and high-quality content. Do you want to just give us a quick rundown of what, what's going on with your new website?
0: Uh, yeah, the new website is called uh, brainymocketer.com. Uh, it's basically like 13 authors, uh, one, uh, one expert author, expert quote, expert author <laughs> per category. So we have, you know, I'm the Twitter guy. I'm the blogging guy. We have one person for Instagram. We have one author for uh, Google+, one author for Facebook and small business. We have branding, um, Pinterest, everything. So you're learning from one person per category. So that way it makes it easy to learn from. So you're only getting content and techniques from one author, and it's trusted authors. These are people that I've followed for years. I know they know what they're doing. I've seen them do what they say they do, and if I can trust them and I'm learning from them, then I know other people will too. So it's just real people. It's a place where you can come get trusted content because nowadays in the social media and even the blogging niche, it's it's really hard to find people that really, really do what they say and actually getting results. It's easy to say – you're, an, you're a Twitter expert, but you know you got to back that up with with proof of that. You, it's easy to say that you're killing it on Facebook, but you got to have proof of that. If you don't have that proof, then it's really hard to find people that have the proof to follow what they're saying, and and that's kind of the reason for the website and why I started it because it's getting hotter and hotter for people to find quality people that they can learn from and honestly learn from and and take that information and act on it and and see results by building their blog or if it's an online business or even an offline small business. Uh, so that's basically the the process for the site, the thought process, the idea of it.
1: Yeah, it's a great idea in this day and age because there is, I mean, an absolute explosion of blogs and in our niche as well, blogging and social media and small business. And, I mean, I've I've seen all the names you've mentioned and I think I know 90% of them at least and, and they all do completely focus on that niche that you've grabbed them for and then they do know what they're talking about and they are successful because yeah, there's tons of people out there who just wave a flag of saying, yeah, I'm I'm a YouTube guy or I'm a whatever guy but then there's people who've been doing it for five or ten years and, and actually have...
0: Well, can you prove it. Yeah. You know, if somebody says, I'm a YouTube guy, then I, you better have a lot of subscribers, number one. Number two, your videos better get a lot of views and comments. <laughs> that, that's, that's just the basic basics you should have yeah. if you yeah. want to call yourself an expert. If you're a... You know, if you're a Twitter expert, then you know you should get one of the main things is your post should get shit on Twitter. If you can't get ten tweets on a post in this day and age as a blogger, then you have no business calling yourself an expert. So it's just the, the little basics. If you can't back it up with proof of your own stuff, I don't care what you do for other people. If you can't get tweets on your own blog, then your advice isn't going to help anybody else because if it was that good of advice, obviously your stuff would be doing the best because it's your stuff. Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah so, that's
1: why it's funny to see people who do stuff as a job, but yet their social media profiles are, I mean, it doesn't have to be 50,000 followers, but at least, you know, significant. I mean, you would the expect. The numbers matter.
0: At some point, the numbers matter. It's not all about the numbers, but at some point, if you're going to tell me you're a social media expert, then you better have more than 1,000 Twitter followers. Yeah. That's, that's-, just, that's just the reality. I'm not about, I'm not a numbers guy. I have 160 or oh, 100. I don't even know, 36,000 Twitter followers. Does that mean anything at the end of the day? Yeah, kind of. It means like at least I'm know, I'm doing something right because you yeah, don't get 136,000 yeah. real followers, not fake, not paid for followers if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, does that 136,000 make me better than somebody with 50,000? Not really. But it does make me better than the person with a 1,000 because <laughs> at some point, the numbers do come into play. Yeah, if, sure. If you don't call yourself an expert, then that's fine. But if you're going to walk around and say you're a, you know oh, the new one, the social media strategist, or some fancy name then you you need to have decent numbers as far as following to fit that and at the end of the day your blog should fit that also your blog should match that you should match what you're saying and the results should match that if it doesn't and that's the problem with social media nowadays social media is becoming as bad as the make money online niche was 10 years ago you couldn't trust anybody back then and social media is becoming just as dirty because it's so hard to find there's a lot of quality people in social media, awesome people that know this stuff. But there's also a lot of people have no idea what they're doing. It's just you know, it's just a new buzzword. It's a new thing that people easily can do. Come online, open a Twitter account, say I'm a Twitter expert or I'm a social media uh, expert. And then you know, try and get hired and get jobs for that. It's easy to do that. So that's why everybody in their mother, if you go on Twitter and spend an hour on Twitter, I guarantee you'll find 100 accounts that say they're a Twitter expert or Twitter whatever fancy word they want to say. But yet they have 50 followers or 100 followers or 1,000 followers. You know what I mean? Or they just opened their Twitter account six months ago. But yet all of a sudden they're an expert. It's insane. So you have to be careful. And that's kind of the point of the website. These are not the best people in their niche. These are not the number one top people in the niche. But these are people that I respect and I learn from. I know they know what they're talking about. I've learned from them. And I know a decent amount of stuff. So if I'm still learning from them, somebody newbie, a newbie blogger or entrepreneur coming up is going to learn a ton of stuff from them because i have been here for a while and I'm still learning. So it's just people you can trust, you don't have to second guess it and you don't have to if you read the content from them and you know we have example we have Aaron Lee, he's a Facebook guy. Aaron is awesome. Aaron knows Facebook uh, everything about Facebook. If Aaron tells you something or gives you some advice, then you should act on that advice. You don't need to go read 10 other blog posts about Facebook, you really don't. You read Aaron's advice, act on that advice and you'll you will get it you know success with his advice. Same with if I give you Twitter tips or if I give you blogging tips. Am I the best Twitter guy or the best blogger out there? No. But what I know is going to explode your Twitter success and your blog success. So take that and go act on it. You don't need to go read – spend another three days reading Twitter posts or another three days reading blogging tips. Take the information we share on the, on the new site and, and you can act on it. And you can trust what you're hearing because these people, they're all awesome bloggers. They're all quality people that have been here for years, not a, year, a month or two months. These are people that have been doing this day in and day out for years.
1: Yeah, sure, and that's. Uh, I think I'll, I try and do the same on the podcast <clears throat> as well. I bring on people who aren't necessarily known. I mean, some mixture of different names, and I just try and get people on there I know who've achieved something, doing something, and they have proof of it, and they can share something valuable with people. and And it, it really helps these days to not only have that real people doing real things, but also to not run around just reading. Hundreds of posts because we've only got so much time in the day, and it's nice to have a go-to place you can look for information without having to wonder whether you can trust it or not. You know you can trust it, and yeah, yeah there's other sites.
0: Yeah, there's other sites that do the same thing. There's other multi-author sites that do really well, but you know, uh, one of them has sixty authors, the other one has eighty authors. Like it's insane. Like I don't need to read. You don't need five authors on the same topic on one website. It's just insane. They're yeah. just gonna pretty much say the same thing. It's just, it's too much. There's, there's all the other sites that do something similar than the idea I had, but it's just, it's too much. And then it's, it's like I said, when I came up, I had two or three bloggers I, I learned everything from. And I was lucky that I found Chris Brogan, people like ProBlogger, and um, a couple of other people that I learned from and I pretty stuck to and, and just learned from them. I didn't jump around to too many places. I learned from a few really big people. So I was lucky. But most people are not like that. Most people will just grab information from, from a million people and, and nothing ever happens. Then you wonder why a year later your blog is still not seeing the success or even a little bit of the success you want. It's because you just, you're just you taking in too much information and then you're taking in the wrong information. Because Just because Ashley tells you how to do podcasting, I would come to Ashley for advice on podcasting. But Ashley's advice on podcasting works for Ashley. It may not work for me. I'm not Ashley. I don't do things the way Ashley does. So a lot of people will take information. They'll try to do it exactly the way somebody said, or oh, I'll tell you how to do something on Twitter. This stuff I can do on Twitter today and get away with it that you can't because I've been there long enough. I built a brand that I can get away with certain things that somebody who just came on tomorrow can't get away with. Mm-hmm. So you take my advice and I tell in post you take my advice and then tweak it to you, to you the way you do things because if it works for me, yes, potentially it's going to work for you. Most likely it will, but it may take some tweaking. A lot of people don't bother doing the tweaking. And that's what you have to do when you take advice. You have to make sure it fits to you and what you're doing with your blog and what your goals are.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean everything everything that you read is always very much down to the environment that it was written in to so the person's following the history they have the knowledge they have the the information they've written the people they know but i think from a good blogger and a lot of the guys you've assembled you know they're sharing really good information that's quite general i mean it's not so spe- i was just reading a few uh, earlier today actually and, and it's 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 really key stuff It's stuff that you can use and they're not just writing really stuff that only works for them but of course you've got to take everything you read with a little grain of salt right and try and, and uh, tweak
0: uh, it test yeah. it don't you know take the advice act on it if it works keep doing it if it doesn't work tweak it a little bit to fit you a little better if it works keep doing it if it doesn't work then go find some advice somewhere else. Maybe it's not the right advice for you. Yeah. you, you just because I tell you something and, or Ashley tells you something, don't, don't stick to it even if it's not working. But John told me I should do this. John told you, but John comes from a different place. John has different readers, has different followers than you do. So, yes, potentially it's content and advice that you can use and work for everybody. But it, and potentially it will. But there's going to be some people that you may have to tweak it and to fit what you're doing differently because everybody has a different type of blog. So if you're blogging, I'm in, you know, we're in the blogging, social media, uh, small business niche, then pretty much anybody in that niche, the advice, yes, it's going to work for you within reason. But again, you take information, try it, make sure you do it, try it. If it works, great. Keep doing it. Some people just, they don't do that. They'll take it and they'll just keep doing it. Just assuming it's going to work. And at some point, if it doesn't, you got to stop it Yeah. because it's just, it, maybe it's just not right for your readers.
1: Awesome. So basically, we've got the last tip there, which is that, uh, yeah, try and find some really trusted areas to get some good information, such as John's new site, Brainy Marketer, and I'll put that in the in the show notes as well. Okay. And, um, yeah, was there anything else you quickly wanted to mention or best places to find you online?
0: Uh, yeah, best place is uh, just the website, uh, johnpaulagya.com, and mainly on Twitter, at John is probably the two best places for you to find me.
1: Okay, I'll grab all the stuff off your uh, or your website and all the related links and so forth. Yeah, and, uh, Google
0: Plus and everything like that. Yeah, yep.
1: sure. But uh, Twitter is like I think you're like me. That's where that's the number one place I yeah. send people to, and don't send direct messages.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can send them, but chat are it's gonna be hard to. It may take me days to find them. So sure. <laughs>
1: All right, I appreciate your time today, John. It's uh, it's been a great chat, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks very much. No problem. I had a good time. All right. Have a good day. You too. All right, congratulations if you survived that hour of this podcast. It was certainly a long one, but uh, we had a lot to talk about, and I hope you got as much out of it as I did. I certainly learnt a lot from speaking to John Paul, as I do speaking to all my great guests. And if you've got any questions, leave them in the comments below, or you can use the SpeakPipe widget, which is on the side of uh, my blog. The little uh, icon on the right hand side. You can leave a voice message there. It would always be great to hear from you guys. And if you want to subscribe, there's an icon for Stitcher, which is for the Android phones or for uh, iTunes on the uh, bottom of this podcast. So, uh, yeah, join up there and uh, leave a comment on the blog if you like, and hope to see you next time. Have a great week.